Make the feelings reverse This life I'm living is search And that was the first Selling college Working part time To get my car fixed And put dents in my pockets Know what I'm trying to say is I depended on dudes for mad shit But they didn't come through for half of it So the fact is We all actors In this movie of life uh, Welcome to another episode of The Struggling Artist Thanks Adam Number three I'm here with Bruce Thomas <laughs> Yay because <laughs> nope. we're doing this in my office. Oh yes, yes, we're, we're doing this. It's this is quite intimate. Yeah, my office. Um, dude, look at you, this man. list. Look at this list: Adam West, Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, George Clooney, Christian Bale, Ben Affleck, Bruce Thomas. Isn't that cool? That's pretty badass. That is cool. I I first saw that on Wikipedia um, when Christian Bale took over. Yeah, it was George Clooney. My name and Christian Bale. I thought oh. <laughs> that's kind of cool, and I happen to I happen to be acquaintances with George. I've right. hung out with him a few times, and so we always joke that you know there's now everybody's safe. There's two Batman in the room. Yeah, you've been acting for. Um, let's see, I, I started in '83. That's over 30 years. I joined the union in '86, so that's a little over. Did you start here in L.A. or start in New York? Where? New York. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I actually started my first film. I just did extra work in a film in North Carolina when I was in school. Um, was always a creative guy, but I was kind of lost in the whole school thing. Didn't Wasn't very successful at grades. Right. And so I was looking for something else. And so then Dino De Laurentiis opened the studio in Wilmington, North Carolina. And I just kind of went down and stood in line to be an extra and... They pulled me out of line, actually, and they said, listen, you're the perfect size, height, weight, to play the stand-in for David Keith, who's our big star of this film called Firestarter with Drew Barrymore. Right. And I, and I said, okay, what does it pay? Because, you know, extra work was 15 bucks a day. That's what it was? It was 15 bucks a day. Again, we were in North Carolina, out of state, so non-union, all that stuff. 15 bucks a day, and I was bartending at the time, so they said, well, stand-ins pay 40. I said, Done. Yeah, sign me up. Don't have to bartend anymore. Right. Uh, on that film, I got to know Drew's mother. Okay. Um, and Andrew as well. So we became very close after that. And they encouraged me to go to New York if I was going to follow this. Right. I got to rehearse a scene with George C. Scott. That's, I mean, come on. Yeah, that's... A novice, totally green, not knowing what the hell I'm doing. I'm standing here. I'm laying in a bed. Much like this one. George C. Scott is needed somebody to rehearse with while they shot, when they set up the camera. Here I am looking right into his eyes. And go, oh, whoa. And so I did. I went to New York and um, 
she hooked me up with uh, Anna Strasberg, who was married to Lee Strasberg. Now, Lee had just died in 1983. So I, I packed up my bags, having never been in New York, and yeah. I just got off the plane, and I called Anna Strasberg and went over there, and, and she took me under her wing. And they were teaching you, uh, Lee Strasberg is um, the method, or? It is, is the, it is a method, yeah, that's right. the method. So, and she was teaching you. Well, she not personally, uh, but she ran the school. Right. And so she got me into the school. And so I signed up for classes and started taking classes there. It was so cool, though, I got to tell you real quickly. On a, it was a Sunday afternoon. I would go over to her house yeah. because I was brand new there. Only person I knew. I'd go over to A couple of students would hang out. And Leah just died, I remember, like months before. Al Pacino would come over and sit in the library and go through Lee's records and listen to some of the music that, that Lee had in his library. And then he saw that there were a couple students here, so Pacino got up in front of us in the living room and started doing characters for us. It's insane. That's crazy. Yeah. So you're in New York, you're just starting out. Did you get an agent pretty quickly? What was the process like? Or were you committed to learning the craft? No, just learning. I just, uh, I was not ready to do anything. Really? Yeah. Um, really didn't do any plays or even anything in college. I just, I always wrote poetry. I always took pictures with cameras like all these. Yeah. Um, I, I grew up on a farm, so that was all foreign to my family. They were right. watching me do all these creative things, learn to play guitar myself and sing and play and song, you know, writing and just doing all things, trying to find an expressive way, uh, a creative way to express myself. And, yeah. I, and I couldn't. It was, it was always a search for me anyway I found this and though so then I, I to answer your question I, I just committed myself to studying right um, Strasbourg ultimately wasn't the place for me six months in I realized that the, the kind of things that they were asking us to do was a little bit too painful and personal in a way and so like I ended asking up, you to like take out your teeth to... Well, yeah, it's like going, <laughs> going through your childhood, rifling through all the horrible memories of your real life and trying to bring those to the surface and, and delve into that pain. Yeah. Um, it was a little too much for me to handle at the time. So I started learning about Sanford Meisner, the right. Meisner approach, which uses more of your, well, what if this was happening? What if? More of an in using your imagination as opposed as opposed to directly using your real life. Right now, ultimately, they both end up dredging up the same impulses and emotions and memory and history that you have, and it comes to the surface. But it just goes about it in a different way. It was more conducive to the way I worked, I guess. Yeah, and or was learning to work. And so, you you studied for how long? Did you study for? Meisner. And Meisner was a two-year program with two, Bill Esper. Yeah. With who? Bill Esper. Bill, Bill Esper, Esper, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, and your first big break came, or would you, what would you say your first big, or did it, did it take a while, or like your first job, you know? Yeah, my, my first job was in soaps, in uh, One Life to Live, I think, was my very first one. And it was called an under five, where you do literally under five lines. Right. Um, it was terrifying for me. Um, soap work is terrifying anyway because it's so it's so quick and yeah. it's so disciplined. You get the script that morning? You can get the script the night before but they're always changed. They always rewrite and they always it's, you have to be very flexible and willing to go with it. Yeah. Um, 
So I was pretty terrified. It was probably really bad. And then if you, I had to see it now. And then you were like, fuck New York, I'm going to move to Los Angeles? Or well, I did it? a bunch of, of, I got into a theater group, and I did a whole bunch of theater where you could do stage managing, you could do directing, you could do set building and design and lighting design, and you could do the whole thing. And we did all of it right. ourselves, along with acting. And uh, that was a huge eye-opening thing, too. What year did you decide to move to Los Angeles? Um, 1990. I, I, um, I got married. <laughs> and did you, it was did you find your? Did you meet your wife in New York? Well, my wife in New York City, yes. And I'm still married to her. She's my best half. Is she She's, in the entertainment industry anyway? No. She did some print work for a while. Beautiful woman. Um, she did a print work actually later in life um, with my children. Yeah. As it turns out, they did, did a bunch of work together. Um, but, well, I mean, really a godsend for me. Yes. Yeah. She's been so supportive. Yeah. Well, allows me to do this silly thing. And it's, I mean, like, I, you hear, you know, all this stuff on, like, TMZ and all these breakups and how hard it is to maintain a relationship in, yeah as an actor. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I'm not saying mine's without ups and downs, of course, but, um, but she's stuck with me and believes in what I'm doing. Yeah. That's nice, man. I, yeah. I, I, I want to find one of those. Yeah. <laughs> Get yourself one of those. Yeah. Where, where, is there somewhere I can go? <laughs> Um, yeah, it's called Craigslist. Yeah, I mean, like, or uh, Tinder. Tinder. Oh, <laughs> can't imagine. Uh, you're so lucky. You don't have I can't that. imagine being single. No, I honestly, it's in Los Angeles. It's awful. It's not fun. Um, but you know, whatever. That, that'll, ha that'll happen. It'll happen when it's supposed to happen. Yeah. That's the way I feel about it. Yeah. Um, so you're 1990. Get some more young actresses in in, in here in, in this little space. What do you think I'm doing? This yeah, show for, Bruce. I know. Just <laughs> <Make this> quick. <laughs> uh, uh, 1990. You guys fly out. Did you have any kids at that point, or no, no, just got married. Um, so I thought, okay, it's time to to get serious. And in New York, I was doing you know theater, and I uh, did a couple commercials. Yeah. Started making a little bit of money. Um, like I said, did a couple subs, just but just small stuff, no contract uh, roles. But I thought, okay, LA's where the money is. So I've done eight years in New York City right. studying. I should know enough by now to get started. So I did. And then once I got out here, that was even harder. It took another four years to... I was getting movies, little movies that you know were paying like 75 bucks a day. <laughs> now, like 25 years later, that's, that's not far off what I'm getting again. Right. With all these little movies. But, um, yeah, so I would get little movies and without even having an agent. It was, it was, that's the most hardest thing. I don't, it probably still is. Yeah, I mean, are thing. you, and, and right now we have Actors Access, LA Casting, these resources. Yeah, what was it? That. It was just backstage. Backstage. The newspaper, yeah, physically, because there was no internet. Right. So it was just going, buying a newspaper and then calling people up and submitting your pictures. And what do you think was the most effective um, way to secure work? Was it relationship building? Having a pager. Having a pager. Yes. Just being, just just being available? Yeah. Or? Yeah. Just keeping a pager on your belt and, um, and like I said, mailing off all of, all of your headshots to all of these various things. You know, you can't fire off emails, so you're just constantly mailing things. Do you still do that? No. You don't? No. You don't? I mean, you do don't what? Like, so so you're, st you're, are you still mailing out um, your headshot? You know, like, because they encourage, no. they, it's, it's so much, it's encouraged. I went to a workshop. Last week at the SAG Foundation, and he was like, "If you guys aren't sending postcards out, you're not doing something right." <laughs> and I was like, "Man, like, okay, I get it. I 
Me personally, yeah. I mean, like, I'm just that's. I guess that's an effective tool, but I'm just wondering, yeah. like, for well, someone like you, your your resume is you're on Weeds, you you played Batman, you were a series regular on Kyle X Y. Legally Blonde is, is the most recognizable. Thing is that and do people stop you for yeah, like still, yeah. yeah yeah Hall Pass Fairly Brothers yep yeah um, yeah so I would like to think that a lot of people know or at least are aware of me right. But that's not necessarily true because the constant turnover in executives and casting people and the, you know, now there's guys like you that are, I mean, you're very well, you have a lot of knowledge because you keep up with it because you, you love it. And right. So you know who people are. But, right. But uh, I think a lot of nepotism that goes on throws in these young people and they don't, they're not even aware of people like me. Like, who? Yeah. What? So legally what? Yeah. <laughs> or, I mean, I, it's just cool to me. I mean, like, I love, you know, the six degrees of separation, like. You know, when we met, we met at a table read yeah. just last week, you yeah. know, reading a script. Yeah. And um, I was just like, you've worked with who? And I'm, it's, it, that's exciting to me, you know? Like, it, it is exciting to me. And, like, I want to pick your brain, you know? I want to know yeah. what what <laughs> you did, you know, yeah. and how, how it all works. It's really And I was the same way when I was your age. And I still am. I still love hearing hearing stories and talking to people and meeting meeting actors that I admire and just, just dig their work. It's yeah. just so fascinating to me. It really is, you know. Um, are you? Um, are you, so you've been doing this for thirty plus years now. Plus years. And then you, at what point was it? Was voiceover work because your voice is awesome? Thanks. Was um, that was that something that developed over time, or you realized, hey, there's there's an opportunity. Here's another avenue for me to make some money. Yeah, it came out of necessity, really. Uh, well, now not. I take that back a little bit. I'll. I'll it, I always knew. When, when I was a child, I was, I remember being like eight or nine years old. My dad had a reel-to-reel tape deck, tape machine. Yeah. Um, an old school tape machine and with a microphone. And I used to pretend I was interviewing people like you are right now. I yeah. used to pretend that at nine years old. So I thought, um, I didn't know what that meant. Um, but later in life, and I, there was a, a time where I, I, I was toying with going into journalism. Yeah. I wanted to be on TV and interviewing people. Being journalists, like uncovering news and shit. Yeah. Um, but then it never happened. Like I followed what I followed, uh, and then the, the kind of economic downturn happened, and uh, we lost Kyle XY. That right. was canceled. Yeah. Um, that, that was kind of devastating. Was that after three seasons? Three yeah. seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of out of the blue. Um, so and and because of the economic downturn. Uh, there were a couple of years went by and there was nothing, nothing, nothing. And then I had to go back and do a regular job and my wife got a job and it was kind of painful. But then I happened to meet, um, I was standing in a bar and happened to meet um, a director, a voice director, Jamie Morlaro, who does a lot of big video games. Um, and he... Well, 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 sorry to cut you off. The voice of Master Chief. Well, I'm not the voice of Master Chief. Okay. I do so all the motion capture for that character. You're the, the, you are Master Chief. I am physically Master Chief. I do everything you see him do is what I've done. Or some stunt people have done because he yeah. does some crazy flying and shit too. So, But yeah, I read all the scenes, all the cinematic stuff that you see, uh, it was me. And that's, that's from, awesome. From Halo 4 on. Halo yeah. 4 and 5. And we're gearing up for, for another one. 
you're going you're so you're gonna be masked well, against this, six. Yeah, the strike gets over with anytime soon. Yeah, I mean I see that SAG right now is they're they're not supportive. Yeah. They keep I get all the emails, SAG's like, come pick it with us. Yeah, it's not very it's so you don't, it just you don't, sucks. There's a couple projects right now that I should be working on that I, I have you can't. on the shelf at the moment. Yeah. Is it because the they want to pay non-union, they want to get away with paying the non-union rates? No, or? no, it's not that. They're just, um, well, first of all, we're, we're seeking some sort of residual uh, structure for so that when a game does make a billion dollars like Halo does, right. like Gears of War, Call of Duty, all those right. big, huge, successful ones, we just are asking for just a tiny bump. That's really all we're asking for is just... Not like just a, a flat buyout. Not even a percentage. Uh, I, I don't. The way I understand it is, we're just asking for another session fee, basically, on right. top of it when a when a certain threshold crosses into right. the, and they're making a certain amount of money, and they're they're hesitating on that, and uh, it's tough because we don't have much much leverage really because they're saying to us, we like the way it is. Well, they're saying to us, we can use any voice we want to. We don't seriously need you. We like having all your union talent, right. but we don't really need you. And we're going, really? Yeah. There's, There's some fans out there that would kind of differ with you. Right. Anyway, so I don't want to get into too much of the sure, sure, sure. But it, pulls and tugs, but it's um, I mean, it's, it's just a pain in the ass at the moment. Yeah. Um, and so you're ta- you, you mentioned there was a, a period of time where you weren't getting any work. And I'm curious, during that time of your regular job, but you're still an actor. There's yeah, no time. Yeah. Um, how are you feeding? How are you feeding your artists during Whew. that period? That was a tough one. That was a well. The 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 era we're speaking about, just after Kyle XY, um, during that whole thing. I mean, we, um, to be honest with you, we lost our house. Wow. Um, and and I had two kids um, in school and. Uh, one in elementary school, one in middle school, and uh, you know, then face all of that. And at the same time, actually, the day our house went into foreclosure, I flew to Atlanta to go do a comedy called Hall Pass with the Fairley Brothers. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's do some comedy. Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, uh, <laughs> a little tough. That's, um, um, Hall Pass is uh, Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson, Jason Sudeikis, and. I got to work with Jenna Fisher yeah. in the office. Yeah. And Christine Applegate, who's, they're both incredibly wonderful. Well, um, Christine, uh, myself and Christina, we um, we have the same, uh, we studied under the same oh, yeah. acting coach, Cameron Thor. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So, you know, she she came up in discussion a lot in class. Oh. Um, and I you know, feel, obviously, I have nothing but nice things to say about her. Yeah. Um, um. How do I feed the artist? That's it's that particular time was really tough. Um, I had to, I uh, got a lot of scar tissue out of that couple years, um, so there wasn't a lot of feeding. Yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of pain, but in general, um, uh, uh, there you know I don't I don't work uh, as much as I want to. Right. Um, and so I fill the time with, like I said, I was a musician. Yeah. I am a musician. So I play guitar and I, 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 I do that almost every day. Um, that helps out. But to be honest with you, I do four, five, or six voiceover auditions every day. So I'm constantly getting new material, new characters, uh, new dialects, and you know, all this stuff that I can work on, um, which is a whole different craft. And so I feel like I'm, I'm very fortunate that yeah. way. 
I get to constantly feed it and get new material to yeah, work on yeah. every single day. So you're saying it, it's different. I mean, I'm, I'm interested in hearing like how how is it different being? You know, How's voiceover different from on yeah, camera acting? Yeah. Um, uh, well, I took one voiceover class, and the, and one of the very first things the instructor said to us was that when you're behind a microphone, you will be the most naked. There's, <laughs> the train, um, it's the most naked you'll ever be as a performer because it picks up every single bit of uh, discomfort In your voice. that you may have. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the craft is primarily relaxation, even more so than on camera. I think on camera, I think people can get away with just a look mm -hmm. or just a, a physicality because you're seeing everything. You can kind of choose to fake things if you want to. Right, you uh, all tricks over we the know, yeah. Right, we, yeah. there yeah. are tricks. Yeah. But we all know that we don't want that. We want authenticity every moment that we're on camera. But there are ways to get around that. Mm -hmm. When you're behind the microphone, that's all you have is what you're hearing. And so that relates, relaxation is the, the, the primary part of it. And then you just have to really trust your imagination to, to create, to live in that world mm -hmm. fully uh, on the microphone. Because you're painting, you're painting, you're you're not, you don't have a picture with your voice. You're painting the picture with your voice. Um, and you're in the booth, you're doing, you're doing, you're working it. Are you, um, because a lot of acting is, you know, physical body language. You can oh, tell right. a story because it's it's a visual medium. As, are you still being physical in the booth? Can totally. you? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I've I've taught a couple of workshops or been involved in, in being a guest at workshops where I'll I'll tell students that it's like some of them stand there either cross their arms while they're doing it or have their hands in their pockets out of discomfort. Right. Because they feel self conscious. Yeah. And that's what I always tell them: start moving, just move. You know where materials that you can't hear when you start rustling you don't want to hear anything but right. but but express yourself with your hands do that just look scream yell use your physicality to help um loosen up those impulses inside i, I had the opportunity to um work with keith david who does a lot of poison yeah work. He's got oh my it. god i mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's so cool you can do that um, you know, like you, you, you. Aside from him, I when I met you, like that was a automatically distinguishes you, your voice, you know. Yeah. And um, is that that's a button you can hit now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do. You learn to like a lot of stuff. I do. Like even on camera, I did when I played Batman on the OnStar commercials. Yeah, that's when I learned that. First of all, Batman has a little tiny range like yeah. all of his emotions happen within these this little tiny box of parameters right like he doesn't get way up here and start talking like that no it's all within from like his range goes from here to here <laughs> yeah and, and he has to express everything within that little box yeah um can we we're gonna like can we show we're gonna show a clip to everybody with that on star spot right now um, This is Batman. I need the door unlocked. I'll do it right away. 
believe you get locked out. An OnStar advisor can unlock your doors by remote. Even the most self-sufficient driver needs a little help. Freaking OnStar commercial Batman, it's badass. Yeah. I wore the, the Keaton suit. That was the Michael Keaton suit. Yeah. With the little yellow insignia. That's so cool, man. Yeah. Are, did they actually have you jump from the roof on that? No. My stunt coordinator, Alex Daniels, did that. And okay. he actually, he was, he's super, I have to give him credit because he showed me how to swirl the cape properly, yeah. how to be macho Batman, how to be the correct Batman physically. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah, and going back to the um, Master Chief, you are the motion capture for Master Chief. How, do, how does the craft apply to motion capture? I do the whole performance. I do the voice, everything. And you're just walking around. It's all green screen. You got these. No, there's no green screen. It's no. it's on. Uh, um, it's uh, the first one, Halo Four. We did on the set, um, Jim Cameron's um, studio where they did Avatar. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big white room, and there's scaffolding set up all over surrounding it, and there's something like 200 cameras all set up. Wow. And the camera, but the cameras aren't like these that pick up image. They pick up computer data now when you're wearing the suit and you with have all the balls on them yeah um, each one of those balls records data it's the most fascinating thing to me because they have big TV screens on all four sides of the studio so yeah can, and when I walk onto the stage you can see Master Chief the animated Master Chief that's that's what you see walking around, talking, moving. Oh, as, that's what's being on the screen. Yeah. In live action, Master Chief is moving. It's it's so cool. Yeah, I can make him do whatever dance. It's kind of like silly. That's what we do the first time we get on stage. But um, it's, it, technologically, it's just super fascinating. And so each one of those little balls, at one point, it was <laughs> kind of cool. Um, you know, they have them here and here and here, and one on your this little hat you wear. And they said, do you want to see what it looks like from Master Chief's perspective? And I said, cool. And so they, they just pushed a button. And suddenly, on the big TV screen, you can see what it was that I was looking at wherever I looked. Turn your head, yeah. And I said, well, how are you doing that? Because I'm don't. Even, i not wearing a camera. Right. And I said, no, it's just each one of these balls, they can push a button and the data becomes a visual image. I'm like, oh, come on. That's crazy. That's so thought badass, of that. Man. That's so cool. That's so cool. Are, is there anybody that like, you've been doing it for so long? Like, when you were starting out, did you were there certain actors that you admired that, like you know, like I'm oh, yeah. I'm a big fan of stealing stuff from people. You know, I mean, obviously you can't. It's not like karaoke. You can't go up there and imitate a singer. It's a little bit different. You're uniquely who you are as yeah. a person. And but like you know, there's certain things you see. You like Al Pacino gets really big and yeah. with something, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna use that. Like I'll throw I'll throw that out there. Yeah, because big looks different. I'm not Al Pacino. Big's gonna look different on me. It's gonna look different on you. Yeah. Um, were there any actors when you were sure. coming up? Sure, absolutely. John Malkovich was a huge um, inspiration for all of us that were studying together. Yeah. Um, obviously, De Niro, Pacino, all those yeah. guys. Um, Sean Penn was a big one for me. Love Sean Penn. Um, and still, Sean yeah, yeah, and still, I and I got to meet him a few times, and he's just intense in person, but really fun too. Yeah. I would like look. He looks like somebody I, would, I want to have. A, like I would want to have a beer with. Yeah, yeah. You know, Chris Walken. I mean, I I chose all these people, even though I have the look that I have. I always chose. It's almost like character actors. Character actors. Char character actors yeah. to emulate. Because and you're I, so leading man. 
Yeah. The square job. Right. And I'm, and I think I'm told constantly by everybody, you will never be a character actor, even when you're 75, because you, you have this structure that just says that you're not that you're never going to be the store clerk in right. a movie, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's a certain presence, a certain look, a certain feel that you, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, that you have that is not necessarily character driven. What? But that said, much like Bradley Cooper, I think Bradley Cooper is a huge inspiration to me now because look at him. He's gorgeous. Yeah. He's beautiful. Yep. And he, he did Elephant Man on Broadway. Yeah. And when you watch Guardians of the Galaxy, he's the little raccoon. Thing. Right. And it's such a great, rich character that he's created. It's funny. He's a character he, actor. In the first one, man, it's just that where he's breaking down in that, you yeah. I, you feel that. Oh, you yeah. know, you're like right there with him. Yeah. Um, and it's this raccoon. Yeah. Um, you admired a lot of character actors coming up. Um, was it hard for you to swallow the pill or kind of like, at what point did you realize? I'm um, not that. Yeah. Like the, the industry's not going to see me that way. People don't see me that way. Was that hard for you to swallow? Or was it, you were like, no, you know what? It's cool. This is leading man. Like, I'm a fucking character actor. I mean, yeah, it's hard to complain to when you have, when you're chiseled and austere. <laughs> well, well <laughs> no control over it. You know, I just, it's, it's, I was born that way, so it's it's hard to complain about that. Damn my good looks. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> uh, um, no, but I, I couldn't wait to get older. Right, now I'm because so, now you have story. Yeah, now you, now you can see story in my, in my physicality. So, in fact, I was talking to Terrence Stamp. There is a name drop. How, how's that? I was talking to Terrence Stamp at one point, and um, we were at a house with a photographer who had just taken some black and white photos of him, and she was showing me them, and he's sitting over there on the couch, and I said, and, and they, were, they, were, they were so cool. And I said, Terrence, these are, these are amazing. And he says, it's age, Bruce, it's just age. <laughs> so that, I mean, so I was looking forward to that time where I could be Clint Eastwood or I could be whatever, older. Yeah. Um, and that my face could tell the story by itself. Right. And so that maybe somebody could buy me that way. Yeah. Um, and it's working, you know, since I turned 50. Um, I have recently done some really cool villains. Like uh, There's a film that I did called Rays, where um, it's, a, it's a genre film. It's a horror movie. Kind of. It's a, more of a female action film, actually. But it's it's got a lot of brutality in it. And I play this, just this heavy, just this nasty drill sergeant kind of guy who kidnaps women, holds them underground in prison cells, and forces them to fight to the death whether they want to or not. If they lose, they die, or I kill one of their family members. <laughs> to make them fight brutally and viciously like men. These women fight like men. That's fun to play the villain. Uh, so I had the shaped head, I had the military look, and I was just, it was just being nasty for the sake of being nasty. There's no nothing complex about the guy. He was right. one note, just fucking vicious. Yeah. Um, and wow, that was a breath of fresh air to be able to express something like that. It was really fun. And it, over the years, has your process changed? I mean, are you still applying, or is it now you've created your own thing? Like you're like, I have, I've studied method, I've studied Meisner. No, I, I, um, or, I still do. I still use Meisner, yeah. and I have to remind myself to actually do the work because you can get complacent about it. Um, you can, you can start to, um, not walk through 
performances at all, but you can start to take for granted maybe a step or two of the work that mm. you're supposed to be doing and sort of skip over it. Mm -hmm. I, it's, a, it's a thing to remind yourself to do the work. Do it. Do it. It'll always pay off. You'll always feel better about it. You'll always be more grounded, more specific. Right. And that's super important. Um, I started this, we started this, we started this show. Um, and it was, you know, right now I'm getting a lot of, well, you're not relevant. You don't have enough followers. Um, <sighs> you know, you don't have, you know, it's like you lose roles to guys that are draw, you know, and they have a, they have a built in audience and they're not necessarily setting up the craft. So, I mean, it's kind of, honestly, I genuinely love this conversations. I love these conversations. Do you give a shit about social media? Do no, you, I have to. You, you do. I hear the same thing. Yeah. Especially in the, the video game world where I do voices and stuff. Yeah. I'm being told, you got to get your followers up. You got to get your social world media presence up because they're going to skip over you. Yeah. If you don't bring enough eyeballs to the project. And I'm like, huh? Yeah. Or, or certain producers are like, we need, it's like a thing. Must have 1.5 million followers. Oh, good. You know, like, uh, have a well, friend. I throw in the towel. I don't know how to do that. Dude, I'm do. trying to figure it out myself. I mean, and I'm just like, well, let me just do the things I like to do anyway. You know, which I'm is on this. Twitter. I do that, and, but uh, I, I don't know how to talk about myself that much. Yeah. It's a little bit uncomfortable and nerving for me to do that. Right. I was never raised that way. Right. Self-promoting. Right. Why do you do this? Well, why, um, 30 years... Why, why are you, why are you still doing why this? Why do I, why do I, why do I do this? Yeah, why? Why do I subject myself to this? Yeah. There's, there's, you know, artists are either born, I, I, the best artists are born hypersensitive, ultra-sensitive people, like sensitive to the world around us, right? I, mm. I think mm. the best ones are, and I think, on top of that, then we train ourselves to be even more sensitive, more sensitized to every to take in all the all the the pain around us, all the joy, all the passion. We expose our soul to all of that and take it all in. And for me, that's made love deeper. That's made pain deeper. It's made life experience more rich for me. Mm -hmm. Just having that as a mission, I've learned to embrace that mm -hmm. A to Z, all of it, the goods, the bads, the in-betweens. On top of it, you get to work with fascinating people when you, fascinating people that love what they do, for the most part. You do need some stinkers every once in a while, but... Um, so I think, I don't know, it's so me now. Yeah. It's, it's become, I've just become that guy that just looks for rich experiences, life experiences. So it's part of it. What advice would you give to someone that's just beginning a career? Put down it? your cell phone. Put down your cell phone. This is about interacting with human beings. It's about interacting with the world. Absorb as much of life as you possibly can. Goods and bads, embrace the bads. Like I said, I mean, it's, uh, that's what we have to do because 
yes, we choose to do this, but the majority of the people in the world, mm. it's too much for them <laughs> to deal with all the stuff that we're asking of ourselves to absorb and to express. And so when they turn on a movie or a TV series, or even a commercial sometimes, you can cry at a commercial. There, yeah. there I go. Oh, that's another piece of advice. Let yourself cry at a commercial if it comes on and if it affects you. Don't be macho. Don't just. I, mean, I cry at commercials. My kids look at me and they, they, they laugh. Every time there's a funny emotional moment or a poignant moment, they'll look, yeah. they'll look at old dad here and my dad's always crying, even on a commercial. Um, yeah. Put down your cell phone. Get out there. Connect. Connect with everything you possibly can. Is there Embrace that. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, thank you. I mean, that's kind of my next uh, question you, you answered is, it's like, how do you embrace the struggle? But you, every day, you just, yeah, I mean, absorb yourself. Or is there anything that um, you want to, are you, are you excited that you, that you can talk about that you're working on? Or what's next? I mean, like, Yeah, where... there's so much stuff nowadays where you sign NDAs and you can't talk about anything. There's a few things like that. But um, I'm off to do a movie in a couple of weeks. I'm going up to Big Bear. Um, just it's a it's a romantic comedy. It's it's not a a, a, a hugely challenging role, but mm -hmm. it's going to be with people that I've worked with before, and so that should be really fun. Yeah. Um, always interested. I can't wait to meet the new people that I'm going to work with. Yeah. yeah. Where where can we where can we follow you follow you on on social media? Are you, on Twitter. Yeah. I, I, the I'm not on Instagram. On Twitter, I'm uh, real Bruce Thomas. R e e l Bruce Thomas. Uh, so clever. <laughs> um, and I could use some more followers. So. Cool. Yeah. Follow Bruce. Uh, <laughs> um, well, Bruce, man, like, I'm so thankful you came today. Like, I really am that, really... It, it was fun. I'm really appreciative yeah. of you taking And you time. did a great job with the table read. And I thank you for oh, that. Oh, thanks, was, man. Really, that was fun. Yeah. That was so inspiring. It was a good character for you, and it was it's a good character, period. Thanks, man. Like, Wish uh, we could talk about it. I know it's one of those things, yeah. uh, but I mean, continued success. I, 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 I respect you. I admire you. I look up to you. Thank you. You know, and I appreciate you sharing what you shared today. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so. Thanks for coming on the Struggling Artist. I gotta stay paid so my fam is good. I'm in the streets with my manners hood. I could change if I can, I could. But ain't too many options coming where I'm from. Ain't no millionaires for the slum. Dogs, so we gotta run hard. Little kids stealing lunch. Cards, grow fast, get a gun. Charge, what they used to get money when they robbed. Me, I'm on my job. And I struggle hard. But a lot of others do too. See these streets take a while to get...